0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, close on the end oh, caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Here they
0: go again, Timbo mode dropping the throw, once down the got those to the left,
1: it's intercepted at the 35, outside the numbers to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10, Mike Edwards, touchdown Tampa Bay, that's the day, my friend. This is the big nasty, yeah, big nasty, all-fame Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, baby.
0: This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon
1: Fire You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And they're like cannon stuff. Fire them! Keep on firing
0: them! Keep on firing them! Hello, and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host. The Philly Bucks fan himself from bucksnation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. Monday night football in Raymond James Stadium puts an end to the 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers 30 to 14 your final score in that one. As far as the game goes, we're going to try and break some of it down, but at the end of the day, I don't know how much there is to say. We all saw what happened. Um and as far as the 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers go, Evan, I don't think I ever want to watch this football team ever again. <laughs> we'll weigh out the pros and cons, obviously, over the course of the next 45 minutes to an hour. But, I mean, this was just an exhausting season. And we have
1: seen much worse from this franchise. You've seen much worse, but I, I think you haven't you've seen much worse but the expectations haven't been there uh, and i think that's what that's what have a lot of people you know up in arms that the expectations were different if they you know and i've said this a lot you know if if tom brady never unretired and they were with blaine gabbert right now 8 and 9 in a playoff game you would consider that a success like i don't see how anybody could be really upset with that. And if Todd Bowles was the head coach, they'd say, man, Todd Bowles did a pretty good job. But with the, you know, Tom Brady being on your team comes the expectation that you're going to be able to win a lot of football games. And they did, kind of. They obviously won enough to make it to the playoffs in a crap division. Um And then you kind of got embarrassed uh, on a national stage, a, a team that was just better than they were. So um I think that the expectations, yes, you've seen worse teams. Like this is not the worst Bucks team, but I think it could be one of the most disappointing. Like I, I think it definitely could. And um, yeah, the 2022 season, you can kind of just see yeah, how flush this one away. I think for the Buccaneers.
0: Yeah, and, and jokes on us for uh, for buying back into this team at multiple times throughout the season. I'm not- Not going to lie to you you know we said on this very podcast what felt like seven or eight weeks ago maybe even longer now uh the bucks are bad until they're not and there were moments this season where they would go out and they would win a game convincingly right like they could run the ball tom brady was kind of throwing the rock around in uh in germany against seattle right like week one they were able to run the ball and that led to the offense being a little bit more effective but they really we were never able to play that way throughout the rest of the season right one or two games i can think of where uh their sole game plan to focus on running the ball more actually paid off and the story of the 2022 buccaneers will obviously get much more into this on our review show which is going to be next week but they just didn't score enough points you know mm-hmm. you, t- you talk about what was disappointing this year People haven't wanted to give Todd Bowles the credit I think he deserves. Um, you know, eight and nine and a division title. I know it was a terrible division, but that is still his first season as head coach At, with this Buck squad. Now, yeah, if he finished is eight, is eight and nine acceptable though? I mean, I it was enough to get a division title and a playoff spot, which is enough to secure him a job for twenty twenty three. So, according to the Glazers and Jason Light, yeah, it is acceptable, and and that's. That's the reality we live in. You know, I, I don't make the rules, man.
1: I just kind of. I'm just saying, would you, would you call it a success?
0: No, not when you have the roster exactly. that the Bucs did. Not when you have Tom Brady who decides to come back out of retirement. I know he didn't have too much of a choice in the matter and where he wanted to go, but he came out of retirement expecting this team to be ready to go on another, uh, on another title run. And all the way back in March, you know, Bruce Arians retiring, quote-unquote, um, that was kind of the first mistake of many when it came to this, uh, this 22 bucks team and, and I guess how they approached the season, because, you know, obviously Tom Brady dealt with a lot of personal things in his life this year. We're not going to get into great detail about that because it's already been publicly talked about, but you know, stuff like that, you can imagine being a bit of a roadblock or a burden at some point in the season to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, because at the end of the day, the guy is only human and that affected him this year. But this 22 bucks team was just at the end of the day, the perfect cocktail of suck. Like they they would build you up just enough to buy back in. And then they would completely shatter your hopes, right? Um, the overtime loss in Cleveland losing 35, nothing to San Francisco or 35, seven, I think was the final score of that game. Yeah. I don't even remember if they scored a point. Yeah. They got a touchdown A to pity touchdown in garbage time. So with that being said, you know, I kind of circle back the jokes on us for thinking this team can make a run, right? Like we should have been much more critical than we probably were at
1: that point. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to, like, toot my own horn or ears, but I thought we were pretty critical. I mean, let's let's face the facts. Uh, they had a, a last-second touchdown against the Rams to win that game. They were down. They had a last-second touchdown against the Saints to win that game. They were down. And they tied up the game late against the the Cardinals. All three of those teams are terrible. So, like, I mean, you yeah, know, if all three of those are losses, like, if all three of those are losses – I think you're probably talking about Todd Bowles being gone at this point um, just because that would not be, that would not be very good. So um, yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, you know, because like you said, you did see it at times. You just didn't see it enough. And uh, at the end of the day, like you, you won't be honest. Like I picked the bugs. To- Beat Dallas. I wasn't picking on to beat San Francisco. Like this is, that wasn't going to happen. So I, I don't. I, I think either team. But Dallas. I think is going to lose San Francisco too. But it's just, you know, th- this team was never was never going to go very far this year. Just because we had the evidence right there. Now, did I think they would go out and perform better on Monday night? Yeah, I did. Like, didn't think it was going to be a, a blowout. Obviously, um, but you know, at the end of the day, like what we saw last night was who the team was, you know, in 17 games. Like that's who they were pretty much. Um, so the, the loss of the Steelers, the loss of the Panthers, uh, like those, you know, those two things uh, being down to the Cardinals in the first place, being down to the Rams, being down to the Saints. It's just, you know, it's a microcosm of everything. And I think when you combine all that and and what they showed last night, you sort of put it all together that like, yeah, like this team, like, Honestly, yeah, like you should have seen it coming kind of like last night shouldn't have been a surprise because like I said, all the evidence you had plenty of it. it was right there in the 17 games. Yeah, it's just
0: it's a matter of how lifeless they looked and and let's kind of start to dive into this game. Monday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys Bucks are at home. It is to wrap up super wildcard weekend in the NFL. It was an incredible slate of games over the weekend and uh, you know, we hyped up this matchup as well. On uh, our game preview show, we talked about how it's always a close game when they play. I know Week One wasn't as close as a lot of people wanted to make it seem—nineteen to three, the final score in that one, in what feels like ages ago now. But like, even though it was nineteen to three, maybe it was because of how sluggish the offense was. But like, even that game felt close. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't feel over until sometime in the fourth quarter. Because
1: again, just like you said, they couldn't. They couldn't turn and we talked about this on the previous show, like because we were talking about that game and they couldn't they were kicking too many field goals, they couldn't score touchdowns, or else that game would have been a blowout. But yeah, it was even the games that the Bucks dominate, the Falcons, the, the Bucks were up what 21 to nothing. I think yeah. entering the fourth quarter and the Bucks ended up winning what 21 to 14, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the games, Seattle, they were up big. Like every game they even had a comfortable lead, it never really felt like they just they never they really they never put a complete game together, the entire season. Like, and we'll get into all of this as a whole. Um, you know, like you said, next week with a season review show where we talk about, you know, pretty much, you know, all the games as a whole. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, that Dallas game, just like you said, it was nineteen to three. It's multiple scores, but like still felt like, oh, you know, Bucks gotta keep their fool in the gas, gotta keep their fool in the gas. And um, yeah, so. Hey, Monday Night Football, despite
0: Brett Maher trying his best to spot Tampa Bay's courtesy points, I mean, the guy went 0 for 18 on PATs. It felt like he couldn't make a damn kick in that stadium. Uh, I actually saw a highlight of Dak Prescott on the sidelines saying, fuck it, let's start going for two. He's like, I'm tired of seeing this. We need to start going for two. But but then
1: they kicked it the next right. touchdown.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, Dak came out and publicly defended Maher after the game. So, I mean, it is what it is. They've got a game to play next week and the Bucs don't. So we start with what went wrong. Um, the Buccaneers. Everything. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I will tell you this. First couple drives of the game. It, it seemed like the same formula we've saw, uh, seen a lot with this team where they just cannot get themselves into games. You know, out of the gate, the defense played well enough to win.
1: First Dallas two drives, starts,
0: yeah. Yeah, Dallas starts with a three and out. And then the Bucks come out with a three and out. Dallas, Dallas comes out, out with a three and out. And then the Bucs continue th- to do Bucks, that. And, it, and then know, the Bucs
1: go three and out.
0: It, yeah, and then, uh, and then it seems like Tampa Bay just did that the entire game. Uh, you get shut out in the first half and then you don't finally start to answer until the third quarter fourth quarter and then it's just it's just too little too late at that point yeah the games are um,
1: yeah
0: let's talk about the offensive game plan from byron left which a guy that we'll talk a little bit more about after the game but um is that the worst one we've seen all season like am i being over dramatic or am i seeing more and more plays being brought up on film where people are like, "Hey, what the fuck was this? Like, what even was the end goal here? Uh, specifically the play design when Brady threw the end zone pick, which is really what turned the tide of the game."
1: Um, yeah, I don't know if it was the the worst one, and that's saying something. But, um, it was questionable. I mean, there there's a lot of a lot of questions. I mean, credit to Dallas. I think Dallas is a solid defense, but like they're not that good <laughs> you know like they're 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 not that good so um it was just a microcosm of everything and like i said we talk about uh, you know and people think we're oh defending the coaching staff and stuff like that um look you know at the end of the day we're going to come back it comes back to player execution as well but also like your coach has got to help you man and like the bucks game plan just was awful like it seemed like you know every screen the Bucks tried sometimes a wide receiver screen would work but any I don't believe they completed the pass when they were trying to a running back screen because it seemed like Dallas just knew what was coming so it's just it's too predictable it's too stale and you know and that's why as we'll talk about that's why there's going to be consequences for that but um yeah I just bad just bad 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 I mean you know, nobody played well on the offense. I mean, that obviously would have helped, but um, the the play calling certainly did not help.
0: Yeah, we got a couple of comments on it in chat. Um, people have been raving about that play design in the end zone because when you look at the route, ra- uh, yeah, well, routes, but again, I though, here's <laughs> the
1: thing. Here's the thing: we don't know exactly how it's designed.
0: Right, player execution is obviously yeah. a big part of it, and uh, that wasn't as good as it should have been last night either. As far as the offensive game plan goes, though, I mean, the Bucs had to abandon shit pretty quick. Uh, We talked beforehand about how you're going to want to try and establish the run because that's what helped you beat Dallas week one of 2022. And we know Leonard Fournette isn't running as healthy as he was week one of the season. But Rashad White has carved out a role in this offense to where he can be effective. And he was actually effective. I think seven or eight carries for him, if I'm not mistaken, for 49 yards a Forty nine yards.
1: Yeah. You know, somewhere just, uh, around
0: there, which is a pretty healthy average. You know what I mean? But uh, Tom Brady threw the ball sixty six times. <laughs> so you're not, gonna, like win. You're not you're, gonna win. You're, you're not gonna win, you know, eleven carries between your two rotational running backs and a forty five year old Tom Brady chucking the rock forty uh sixty six times, excuse me, not even 44, 22 more than that. Yeah, that's just a recipe for disaster. And and we have seen it what feels like time and time again with this Bucks team so far this year. It just, it was just another week where it felt like nothing changed. And for the most part, Dallas and their defense knew exactly what the Bucks were going to do. They telegraphed most everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, I think that's, you know, we talk about all the the miscues from Brady, miscues from the receivers, the pass protection issues. We talk about the play calling and everything. I think the biggest thing that really sunk uh, the Bucks, you know, for the season, but more specifically in this game, was the lack of run game, and it's just you know they haven't they haven't really had it. So um, yeah, it's it's a uh, bad, just bad, bad, bad. Our buddy G Vegas, the moderator,
0: holding it down, says there was another play design where it was almost a pick. Uh Mike Evans was running a cross route, and you had another receiver running to his same area. Saw it all year where separation was not design. And and I will say, as far as Mike Evans goes, um, we'll get into more detail on the review show. I know we keep sprinkling that in there, but you know, Mike Evans, as good of a player as he is, one of my favorite Tampa Bay Buccaneers of all time. 2022 Mike Evans was not the Mike this Evans. Was this, this
1: was the worst yeah. I've seen. It. I,
0: I mean, this was not the same guy that we saw 2020, 2021, even years before that with other quarterbacks. Yeah, no, yeah this is the worst um, year of his career. It, I, I think this broke him. Like, I, I really do. Uh I mean, he I'm, dropped another touchdown. He did. I, I will say. Maybe the TV broadcast made it seem like it wasn't as overthrown as it was. I. But, come. I mean, my, listen, Mike had to turn it on. To catch up he, to that he, thing, he was able to get two hands on the he ball. He was, you're right, and I'm not making not, excuses. Not, not, not one hand, two. Not making like, excuses. I just it it goes back to team execution. How no one's ever been on the same page this season. Uh, you know, we saw one game of the glory days where Mike Evans racks up 200 plus and three touchdowns, but that's because he was abusing a rookie corner for most of his reps. And in Dallas, even though they had a corner problem, it obviously wasn't enough to um you know, to hinder them in any way as far as preventing the Bucks from finding
1: the end zone. So, oh Oh, man. Let's go on to the man – actually, let's move on to the defense and then we can get into that. Um, So, the defense, for as bad as we talked about the offense, the defense was equally as bad. Like, besides the first two drives, they had no idea what they were doing. Like, none. Like, it's just – there was – I mean, it's not even – like, there was some contested balls. Obviously, the Michael Gallup touchdown. I don't know how Carlton Davis doesn't pick that ball off. Um there, there there was a few um you know, like I said, there there was a few contested balls, but so many broken coverages and, and busted coverages, just guys running, I mean, the middle of the field was wide open. I thought the linebackers and safeties in this game were just terrible at covering the middle of the field. So um yeah, Dallas just abused that. So I, they they had no idea where to go when they were in zone. When they were a man, the Cowboys just got just enough separation. And the biggest thing for me, like the absolute biggest thing, and this is like for the offseason, like this is what they're gonna need. Like there was just there was zero bash rush. No, I mean whatsoever. nothing. They can't they can't rush with four and get there. And then even when they tried to the blitz, one, I don't think they blitzed enough. They didn't blitz enough last night. But also even when they tried, they weren't getting there then. Mm-hmm. So like they they need and that's what that's the, the troubling thing because that was what they wanted last offseason. They said they need more pressure, more, you know, the run, the run defense being the best in the league is nice, but like they need more interior pressure, pass rushing wise. So that was their goal last off season. And it's still a problem. I know not having Shaq Barrett hurts, but like they needed, they needed to be able to get home with four and Dak was just way too comfortable.
0: You know, and I was more surprised by the lackluster performance from this defense than I was the offense. You know, once the second half came around and the Bucks still had zero points, it, it, I hate to say it was expected, but it wasn't shocking, right? But once you started to see the defense just continually break down and give up these huge plays, I mean, Dalton Schultz was killing them, right? He was destroying them. And it's, it's always been the seam routes. It's always been the tight ends for Tampa Bay. But Dalton Schultz was just fucking open when he had no business being open multiple times in this football game. Huge pickups from Michael Gallup. Huge play in the end zone, as you had said. C.D. Lamb was having a monster game. Lamb day. with a
1: wide open touchdown. I mean, I, nobody I saw within five fit. ten yeah.
0: yards of him. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was embarrassing, and um, yeah. you know, Todd Bowles talked a little bit about what went wrong, saying, "Well, they didn't adjust well. Uh, they didn't disguise very well." It seems like Dallas had a had a much better game plan than they had anticipated, and Dak Prescott going out there and playing a damn near perfect game is also going to help with that. And we said that that was going to be one of the biggest X factors coming into this game because seven straight games with a pick is definitely no coincidence, but uh Dak surely cleaned that up on Monday night and he let this defense pay. Oh,
1: he sure did. And, um, you know, I see, I think G Vegas said in the chat multiple three and outs on your offense can do that for you. Um, yeah, I, but I, here's the thing though, you can say that. And like, we talked about how bad the offense was like, that's an issue. But at the same time, I think it would have been four or five straight drives that the defense not didn't allow field goals. They allowed touchdowns. Like, that's inexcusable. Like, that's still bad. Like, you can't even – like, keep him out of the end zone one of those times. Force them to settle for a field goal with a kicker that was shaky. Like, force them to settle for that, and you just you Shake, couldn't.
0: Shaky you is just, an understatement, man. You know, I just, mean –
1: Yeah, you know, you just – you couldn't. So, you know, yeah, the offense was an issue, and they didn't help out the defense. But also, like, you got to get a stop sometimes. Like, you got to get a stop. And the defense did not get a stop until the game was pretty much already decided besides the first two drives. So, uh, you know, I understand that the offense was an issue, but, like, this defense also has to be held accountable there.
0: Yeah, at a certain point, it it felt like this team had just checked out. Um, You know, guys were just trying to survive – get to the end of the game. Once they started to realize things were out of reach, I'd say around 18 to nothing is when it really started to feel like a loss for Tampa Bay.
1: And which if you're down 18 to nothing and you feel like a loss, you guys are a bunch of losers.
0: Right? Because you You, look at what happened. You look at what happened this weekend. Yeah. You look at the chargers and the Jags. You look at all these other teams coming back from incredible deficits, even in the closing weeks of the regular season, you know, Jeff Saturday and the Colts giving up 33 second half unanswered points uh, to the Vikings to make the largest comeback in NFL history. Not once did this game ever feel like any of those games where, you know, no, I, you, I, knew, I, you
1: knew the Bucks weren't coming,
0: man. right? I mean, the optimistic side of me, and I'm sure everyone else watching the game is like, Hey, we got Tom Brady still have a chance, right? Because we, it's, 18 enough we, we,
1: nothing, 18 and nothing. And so they still had a chance once I yeah. got a 24 though.
0: Yeah. 24, nothing was really the nail in the coffin. And that's when people started leaving the stadium. But we sat there and we watched it all the way to the bitter end, and I got to tell you, the second half of that game is the longest football game I've ever watched because nobody on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline or even the fans in the stands felt like wanted to be there. It was, um, it was a soul sucking atmosphere for sure. Uh, before we go any further and talk about, you know, Byron Leftwich, the future of Tom Brady. I wanted to circle back to the Mike Evans thing I had said earlier. Um, I never really finished my thought, and and I wanted to get your input on it. Ryan Jensen made his return for the offensive line, started at center for Tampa Bay, which was obviously great. I know we talked about the possibility of him switching positions, but that is not the case. Luke Getticke rolled out as the starter at left guard. Ryan Jensen was back snapping to Tom Brady. It was good to see him again. The pop that he got when he ran out of the tunnel for warmups, man, it was uh, pretty damn cool, and he was greeting all of his teammates during the official team introductions. Just a really, really cool moment for him. But as far as the entire offensive line goes, I think a lot of why Mike Evans has had what feels like a terrible season for his standards, Brady just didn't trust his line. I, I mean, what there was, what, one game this season against Carolina where he really felt comfortable stepping up into the pocket and taking those deep shots? You know, I really don't remember the Bucks trying to stretch the field very much against Dallas, aside from that deep target to uh, to Mike Evans where he dropped oh, and it the, and then the, and then the, the Julio the deep Jones. Ball. Yeah, the Julio, yeah, the Julio yeah. Jones touchdown. Aside from that, I mean, really, when was Brady given enough time to step up in the pocket, feel comfortable to just let that thing go? Uh-huh. One You can ask that question all year. Yeah. I know. Well, one guys weren't getting open. And two, people seem to forget when they talk a lot about wide receiver production in Tampa Bay. Especially in 2022, other people have come on the show and made this point. Other people have made it on other shows. But the fact of the matter is Tom Brady is throwing the ball too soon. And, like, that's not to anybody's detriment because you want a quarterback to throw the ball, not necessarily too soon, but as fast as possible, right? Makes it up, makes it easier for your offensive line, kind of bolsters their stats a little bit, Um But a guy like Mike Evans just cannot get open in in that myriad of time. And, um, you know, I think it led to a lot of miscommunication where Mike maybe felt like he had to play faster than he was really going. And um, other times he just simply was not there, didn't have time to make the move or create separation because Mike Evans is not a guy that's, you know, going to start out by getting you three, four, five yards of separation at the line of scrimmage. And um, it felt like when this offense was running through Mike Evans, is when they played their best this year, and uh, I mean, there was no effort at all to get him the football against Dallas. It felt like, but also because the time just wasn't there.
1: Yeah, and I think you know that just that's not just for Mike Evans. That's um, you know, that is is every receiver there. You know, that's and I think that that's been an issue, and we talked about that a little bit um, towards the end of the season that Brady just wasn't trusting the line enough. Like, yeah, it's not good, but like, dude, like. There's been times where like you let that ball go too early and you could have held it on for another second, a second and a half, you know, and and done something with it. So um in terms of Evans, yeah, like he's a guy who's yeah, he's not gonna catch a quick slant and then take it for 20 yards. Like that's not his game. Um you know, he can do those things on occasion, but like you're not gonna game plan. Like, that's not gonna be your game plan for Mike Evans. That's not what he does. So yeah, like you need good offensive line play. Um, and that comes back to, you know, my, my point on the defense, not getting pressure. You the cowboys didn't get a sack on Tom Brady until the game was pretty much decided. Like they didn't get any sacks on Tom Brady until the game was decided, but they were getting pressure all night. So you see what pressure can do to a quarterback. It can wreck an entire offense. You don't need to get sacks. But if you get consistent pressure, snap in and snap out, it is going to affect the offense. It just is. And because the timing of everything gets thrown off, as you can see with the Bucks, You've seen it on more than one occasion this year with Tampa. So, yeah, I just – he like you said, there was one basically one half where, where he trusted his his offensive line. Um, you could almost say one quarter, <laughs> the fourth quarter of that Carolina game. But um, yeah, besides that, it's just what would happen is you know the the Bucks offensive line would be beat a few times early in the game. Brady would take a sack or get hit, and then after that, the game plan just changed, and he was getting the ball out so quick. And um, yeah, the, the returner Ryan Jensen, like you know, I thought he was fine. Like he hasn't played football in like a year, you know? So like, I thought he was fine, but like, you know, Luke Gettic, he had was actually decent to start or down to, you know, towards the end of the game. But honestly, I thought like, besides Tristan Wirfs, like I thought every player on the offensive line didn't play great. So um, yeah, Brady's got to trust it. And um, you know, you can also scheme a little bit better to get Mike Evans the football in like two seconds. So you don't have to, you know, Brady does have to hold the ball long, but um, yeah, I, I do agree that part of the reason was, you know, on Tom Brady and like, you know, we, we criticize Brady. I think plenty. Like, I, I think we pretty much call it how it is. And um, you know, Brady was too quick. Like, he just he wasn't, he wasn't letting plays develop, and it was hurting the offense. The Cannon Fire Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Check out their updated website and mobile app to get an extra 50% bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Uh, I'm sure there is a prop bet for it
0: at this point, but I'm going to start making one because the amount of money that I could have made this season alone on guessing that we would get a weekly holding penalty from number 76, uh, we got another one in a wild card round matchup with the Dallas Cowboys. So I, I, it could have been like you know 10 bucks to win 45 or whatever, but money's money, buddy.
1: Real, yeah, real quick about McDonald like Smith. Everybody's like, oh, he's got to go, he's got to go. Okay, tell me who who are you replacing him with? And oh, just move worse to left tackle. That's not an answer. So so if you if you can if you can tell me a plan that is realistic that you can replace him with someone who is better, please tell me. Because it they don't grow on trees. Like left tackles do not grow on trees. And you know, Donovan Smith, like, yeah, he's not very good, but he's also I he's not the worst left tackle in the NFL. Like, there's a lot more bad tackles in the NFL than there are good ones. Than, I think Donovan
0: I think Donovan Smith by no means my Donovan Smith fan. Um you know, I am I am with the outspoken majority that believe that there are other solutions at left tackle. But just like you say, again, you got to be realistic. Yeah, you got to be realistic. Right. Left tackles don't grow on trees. It's not like the Bucks are going to go out and cut them and sign somebody tomorrow. It's just not going to yeah, happen. It, you know,
1: if if there and, was, the, then they would. Like if it was right. easy to find, they would replace them. But it's not. Yeah,
0: by no means am I saying that. But Donovan Smith is an average left tackle, I think, who just had the worst season of his career. Um, Yeah, yeah, he was bad this year. You know, he was bad this year. The spotlight was much bigger than it usually has been, especially when he he didn't have Ali Marpet. Right, he didn't have Ali Marpet. Didn't have Ryan Jensen next to him. The supporting cast that he had in 2021 made him a decent left tackle. But we remember back even in the days of Jameis, where he struggled. You know, back in Mm -hmm. 2016, 2017, 2018, he struggled, man. And um, but not this bad. Yeah, but not this bad. This was his worst season by far,
1: uh, and, and we... that's then that's another reason the offense struggled. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans, I think, had his worst year of his career. Uh, Donovan Smith had his worst year of his career. Leonard Fournette wasn't very good. Um, you know, they they didn't really have a solution at left guard. Uh, Chris Godwin was in and out. Julio Jones in and out. Russell Gage never really healthy the entire season. Tom Brady probably like and he's a, when he's a starter like probably the worst year of his career. Just it was a and combine that with the. You know the offensive coaching this is kind of a perfect storm, and you kind of forget at one
0: point, uh, as far as the offensive line goes, I think people kind of forget just how unhealthy the bucks were at that position uh because today, for the first time since training camp, the media got to talk to Aaron Stinney, who was mm-hmm. uh pretty much going to be your starting left guard. I mean he he made Most it likely. clear that he was fighting for that starting position against Luke Gettaki and to be honest, I thought he was going to get the nod. Um, you know, we didn't hear from him the entire season because he was nowhere to be found. Just the depth that was missing in key positions. And then uh, obviously player execution being another big part of it. I mean, the bucks took risks that they really shouldn't have. Um, But they were also put in a situation where you had no choice. You know, you lose Ryan Jensen, you lose your starting left guard. What are you going to do? You're going to have to make the best of it. And I will say, I know he have been tearing a lot of people down on this show today, but hats off to Robert Haynesy.
1: Full season he did of him. A serviceable job, yeah.
0: Yeah. Full season of him at center. This is a Bucks draft pick. This is a guy that eventually, if he wasn't playing, people were going to start to chirp. Oh, another waste of draft pick. We we drafted this guy just to sit on the bench. And um as a depth piece, he he stepped up this year and
1: uh he really And and picked. he'll and he'll he'll compete for the left guard job. Oh yeah, one hundred. I don't. I don't really expect them to bring a starting caliber left guard, a guy that you like. You look at you like, oh yeah, he's a starter. So like, I right. think it's going to be another competition, probably.
0: All right, so let's talk about Tom Brady from Monday night. And well, then, you uh, want
1: to? Are we gonna talk about the performance? Yes. Okay. I mean, so, there's not really much to talk about.
0: But. There really isn't. But I wanted to get your thoughts on this. We got a. Uh, it, we actually got an email during the show, so I don't know if he's watching live right now. But <sighs> Hi Ali Jorge. Appreciate the email. Don't yeah, man. email we don't many email questions. We don't. Actually, if you guys ever want to <laughs> get in touch with us over there, cannonfirepodcast at gmail.com. Literally, I mean, hit us up about whatever you'd like.
1: We will answer it.
0: But uh, the subject line here, Bucks embarrassed on a national stage, says Tom Brady killed our initial good defensive momentum, and he played scared. Horrible, inaccurate passing, or uh, horrible, comma, inaccurate throwing instead of passing. His dink and dunk is what lost us game. So I'm not sure if that's you know, in the perspective of the entire season. I'm not sure if that's just Monday night football, but let me toss you his stat line from Monday night before I get your thoughts on uh, what Jorge had said. So 35 for 66 for the goat, <laughs> 351 yards
1: total. You still had 31 incompletions. <laughs> two
0: touchdowns and an interception with a 72.2 quarterback rating. Yeah. Yeah. Still 31 incompletions. So, I, I mean, I, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on Tom Brady from Monday Night Football, but I'll be honest with you, buddy. Surface level evaluation—that just wasn't Tom Brady out there.
1: He wasn't very good. No, no, he he, he wasn't very good. Um, especially like I said, you know, early, uh, he missed gauge. Um, on the on the one ball, um, and then like you said, you know, he got happy feet, but he kind of got happy feet because he was under pressure a lot. And I mean, that's just it's gonna happen especially with a quarterback who's not mobile like when, when you are a pocket passer when you do your best work inside the pocket like you're going to get happy feet and he talked about the dink and dunk like that's what we kind of already addressed it like he didn't trust the offensive line so the dink and dunk was the only thing available to him so um, you know it, it's it sucks but like yeah he, he wasn't he wasn't very good I I don't think he's been as bad as a lot of people say he has this season but like last night he, just, he wasn't very good
0: so in the grand scheme of things now wanted to pivot and, and kind of talk about uh, what the future may or may not hold for Tom <laughs> Brady, because not only is it the episode of the podcast, but it is the million dollar question. More people care about this uh, than the rest of the franchise and their future. And, and I think what the bucks do in the off season is obviously contingent on uh, what happens with tb 12, but what does the future hold for Tom Brady? Is this the end? I, I mean, I, I know that we kind of, you know, have, have talked about this, reluctantly the past two or three weeks because it's like it's not over till it's over but here it is Tom Brady a free agent and uh you know by March 15th I believe his contract becomes um 35 mil and dead cap which would be the second largest hit in history since uh the Atlanta Falcons had to eat 40 million of Matt Ryan's contract when he left so you know, the Bucs obviously want Tom Brady back. The question is, does he want to be back in Tampa Bay or is there a realistic chance that he looks elsewhere? And and let me just float this out or, there. Or
1: or or does he hang it up?
0: Or does he hang it up? Very true. Uh the 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 feeling that a lot of people get is that he's going to come back and play. I mean, Scott Reynolds said that today on Pat McAfee's show. The guy said it themselves. I've heard other podcasts talking about it. Everyone expects him to come back to play. Uh, which is why it would be the perfect time for him to just go ahead and retire, right? Um, I'm not saying he should nor will he, but you know the other scenarios people have brought up, a return to Tampa Bay in 2023, which in my opinion is the most likely, uh, him going to the Raiders to play for Josh McDaniels and be their new quarterback, which when you're playing Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert and potentially Russell Wilson with a competent offense twice a year, that doesn't really sound like a place that Tom Brady's going to want to go to after having to survive the NFC South at eight and nine. That's not a very easy division to win. Is he going to Miami to play and replace Tua, where the Dolphins have already doubled down and said that Tua is going to be their quarterback in 2023, but we know that the NFL is a business and things change all the time. Is he going to go have a one year rental as a New England Patriot and retire there with a little. I can tell you that's not under finish. Bill Belichick. <laughs> I agree. I think people who think he'll be back in New England are living in fantasy land. Um, Or is it going to be some other team that nobody expects? You know, what is the future hold for Tom Brady, in your opinion, granted, you know, everything that we know now? And um, we'll also maybe segue into Byron Leftwich after this. But, uh, you know, knowing what we know now, a day removed from the Buccaneers NFL season, what's going on with TB12? Yeah,
1: so... I'm gonna sort of trust you know what I see and then also my gut on this um you know for if you guys have been listening to the show I've been pretty confident really all season um you know I've been pretty confident all season when I've been at when I've been asked about what Brady could do I was pretty confident he's gonna retire Uh, um I, I was pretty confident and now, at this point, we're at the end of the season. Everything I've seen, just you know, my gut and everything I read, I think he still retires, but I am like 51 49. He's retiring. Uh, it is, I, it's close. I, I really do think it's close. Um, the, the thing last night, like thanking the Tampa media and stuff, I don't put too much into that, like you know he hasn't made a decision yet i don't think he hasn't made a decision at all like um uh you know we'll see if he doesn't retire i still do believe he is coming back to tampa bay um i think that's most likely uh i think miami would be pretty likely if they don't you know if if they're lying to everybody and and you know, Tua's not their guy, but I mean they seem kind of like annoyed now with the questions. Like yeah, they're like, Yeah, we don't know how many times we had to say it. like Tua is and the, the like Tua was good this year. It's just you know it all depends on his health. Like, do they believe in his health? Because when he was on the field, he was good. So um, you know, I I'm not sure if you'd wanna because if if Tom Brady goes there, like you're getting rid of Tua. You're not just gonna have Tua ride the bench for a year. So um, like you're getting rid of him. So Uh, you know, it's, it's tough. I I think he retires. Just like I said, we talked about the, the, um, the, you know, he didn't want the farewell tour. Everybody thinks he's playing at this point. Like everybody thinks he's, just like you said, everybody thinks he's playing in 2023. So why not just hang it up now? You didn't get a farewell tour. That was it, you know, but, um, you know, and I just keep coming back to, he's always said like he wanted to play until he was 45. He's done that now. So I, it's close. Uh, I, I think it's close. And we're not – and the thing is, you know, we can, we're we going to be talking about this, uh, you know, for a while because, uh, like, Brady was pretty upset that, that it leaked before the Super Bowl last year. That's not going to happen again. So I wouldn't expect that for probably another month or so to know. And that's if he retires. Like, if he doesn't retire, you're not like, – you're like just not going to hear what his plan is until free agency starts. So – um I, I, I do think you know the the people the, the people that um, say, oh no, he's definitely not going back to Tampa. They, to me, you are just not paying close enough attention. You are not reading the right things. Um, you know, for for a guy like that, okay. So Brady likes to win. Okay, you think you have a better chance to win another division than the NFC South? Like, do you see the Panthers or Falcons making huge leaps next year? Like do you, like, I mean, the Saints might be a little bit better, but, like, they don't have a first-round pick this year. They're, they are in salary cap trouble, as we have a $10 super chat from Willie Beeman. Um, hey, fellas, if it were me, I'd try to pry away Bill O'Brien from Bama, make him the OC to get Brady for one last ride. I'm hearing fans want Bill out. If Todd doesn't work out, he can slide into the HC spot. Well, I don't know about the HC spot, but um, I do think Bill O'Brien is a legit candidate for the job, um, and that would be if Brady would be back, so... Um, I I don't know. And I don't think Brady Brady knows right now. So we can talk about this the whole time, but like the people that say, yeah, he's definitely not going back to Tampa. You know, the bucks have literally uh, there's one, like Tom Brady is the only free agent on the offensive side of the ball. That's like a major free agent who's scheduled to be a free agent. Like, that's it. Like, Mike Evans is back. Chris Godwin is back. Ryan Jensen is healthy. Like, Leonard Fournette is back. K-Dotten continue to develop. Rashad White continue to develop. Russell Gage, they're, you know, they're going to get a different offensive coordinator. Like, it's going to happen. So, you know, if that's Bill O'Brien, why wouldn't Brady look at that and, and, and think that, you know, he can do a little bit better? And it's just the familiarity of it. Like, that's the thing that I don't think people realize. Like if he goes somewhere else, that's not a lock that like it's all gonna click. Like it it is not a lock. So um, the grass isn't always greener. And I think Brady knows that, but ultimately I, I think he decides to, to hang it up.
0: And if there's one thing the Bucks have proven that they are going to do, especially to keep Tom Brady in Tampa, they're gonna bend over backwards for him. Yeah. You know, they're they're gonna do whatever he wants. And if he comes to Jason Light or Todd Bowles, And he says that he has every intention of playing in 2023. Um, Brady's not going to be involved in the hiring process of a new offensive coordinator. But if they know he's going to be the quarterback in 2023, I think it's much easier to sell that to potential offensive coordinators than it is to come in for an interview and say, yeah, we don't really know what kind of offense we're going to be running.
1: Yeah, well, that, we that's really the thing. Know unfortunately, Tom Brady's going to be here. Un- unfortunately, unless you're waiting until March to hire an offensive coordinator, you're going to have to, like, they're going to hire one here probably before the end of January. So um, I would say, yeah, like, you're probably going to, if it's Bill O'Brien, to me, that's a clear tell. If they hire Bill O'Brien and the thing about Bill O'Brien is Rick Stroud even reported a few weeks ago that if Byron left, which took that Jacksonville job, they were going to hire Bill O'Brien. Like that was going to happen. So maybe it happens this time around. Who knows? You know, I had
0: heard it mentioned today and this is more of a fun hypothetical, but it, I do agree. It is something that I personally would love to see happen just because it would be a lot of fun, a little reunion possibly down in Tampa Bay with a former offensive coordinator, who just led the Georgia Bulldogs to two straight national championships. That is former O.C. Todd Munkin, uh, who called some plays in 2018. You remember back that New Orleans week one game where Ryan Fitzpatrick had three straight 400 plus yard games. That was all Todd Munkin running the offense. You want to talk about a guy who can open up another level of pushing the ball downfield and I think potentially get the most out of Tom Brady, who, still has the arm to make the throws like I'm not going to hear otherwise after this season. I know it wasn't his strongest season as a starting quarterback, but I mean, don't sit here and say that he's cooked or he's washed. I just I can't buy that. But Todd Munkin back in Tampa Bay seems a little interesting. And there's a couple of connections that could be made. Nothing that's going to, you know, win anybody over to make him think he is the guy for the job, but maybe someone to consider back to back national championships with Georgia I mean, they have been perfect, right? What more can he really do? Um, he's making, I think, $2 million a year at Georgia, and uh, he could be ready to get back in the NFL and see a team that needs his services. He does have a connection to Todd Bowles because Todd Bowles' son is a linebacker at Georgia, uh, so they have a line of communication there. And, um, you know, I just feel like the timing would be right. I, I do. I really like Todd Munkin while he was here. I thought he was a very underappreciated part of, of Dirt Cutter staff. And that would be fun just to see a little reunion in Tampa Bay. Todd Bowles obviously still going to be around in 2023, but the offensive coordinator position up in the air. So we've talked a lot about new offensive coordinators. We have not once mentioned that Byron Leftwich is not officially fired, but reports have been floating around all day. Scott Reynolds from Pewter Report was the first one to have it said. It Scott is expected- Reynolds, Scott
1: when the clock hit zeros. Um, yeah, I mean, Scott, he is, I'm sure Scott was probably told by whoever told him to wait until the season ended. So when the clock hit zero, I mean, literally, I'm not joking. The clock yeah. hit zeros and the-, yeah. the story was published. No, I agree. And and he had
0: been he had been talking about this since since the bye week. You know, that's what his report said is that the Bucks were considering a change at the bye week, but you know, breaking the coaching tree and finding a successor to to really bring that thing around for the end of the season just didn't seem very plausible for them and uh, also that's real, real quick
1: before yeah. we move on to left which and everything um i can say mungan possible that's all i can that's all i can say right now but it, it's possible yeah
0: very exciting to think about um yeah matt diaz in the chat scott was awesome on mcafee today shout out to scott reynolds of pewter report uh i know that they are kind of the big dogs around here but in my opinion they are still local homegrown media reporting on the tampa bay buccaneers and as far as mcafee goes you know they could have chosen a Jen Lane. They could have chosen a Greg Allman. They could have chosen a Rick Stroud. They've they already had with, Rick Stroud on. So. Yeah, they did already have Stroud on once before, but it was really, really cool to see Pewter report up mm-hmm. there uh, putting on for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cool. beat.
1: And yeah, uh, but, I mean, but, but Reynolds and everybody here are real quick. Wh- people are freaking out. They're like, oh, my God, Barlow, which is still the offensive coordinator. Like, why? Why? It's not even 24 hours until they're, since their season ended, like relax. Okay. Like it, it's okay. It's going to happen. Like I, you know, like no Scott personally, like he's not like, he's not going to stick his neck out there and and post something that ain't legit. Like it's happening. Like it, it, it is. All right. Now, Todd Bowles, always you know, said, Oh, there's been no decision. What's he supposed to say? Like they haven't officially fired him yet. So like, what's he supposed to say? Like they weren't going to fire him this morning. And then had Todd Bowles have to answer questions about what are you looking for in your next offensive coordinator? You know, they they don't, they're not going to do that. So, you know, the the charter season ended on Saturday night. They fired their offensive coordinator this morning. So like it's going to happen. Relax.
0: So here we are. We we've kind of covered you know potential offensive coordinator replacements. We've somewhat covered the future of Tom Brady.
1: And and, and when and when left, you know if he officially does get fired, we'll probably do a show then, and we can break down a full list of potential guys.
0: Oh yeah, of course. We'll have much more to talk about between this week and next week as well. Uh, but as we start to kind of wrap this thing up, you know, any closing thoughts on Super Wildcard Weekend, the 2022 season, Tom Brady as a Buccaneer, like what, what's weighing most on your mind right now?
1: Just a lot of uh, and I'm sure it's not just on my mind, but, you know, a lot of uncertainty, that's all um, because there's a there's a lot of different directions that this could go. This this can literally go in two of the most extreme directions possible. You could be um, looking to be a possible Super Bowl contender again, or you could be looking to yeah maybe sort of start rebuilding. You know, it's and it all really depends on one man's decision. So um, you know, until you know that, <laughs> it's tough to uh, tough to really figure anything out. So. Um, yeah, and actually, uh, real quick, uh, I I saw a few people in the chat talk about it about the like you said the dead cap hit. The best case scenario for Tampa Bay's cap. Is actually if Brady returns because what they can do, they can sign up to a one-year deal, and then they can have that cap hit be brought down by using more avoidable years. Obviously, eventually, like, yes, they will have to eat that money, but for this year, like they can bring that down and save about 15, 16, 17 million dollars um, on the cap if Brady were to return. If he retires, they can like basically split up the money to where it's a little bit of dead cap this year, a little bit of dead cap next year. Um, so that saves him a little bit of cap there. But then the real killer would be if he doesn't retire, but he goes to another team, because then they can't do anything. Then yeah. that is that is the, the dead cap and they can't do it. They can't move that money at all. So um, just a little bit of information there that like um, the best case scenario for the buck cap space wise is that radio returns and they're able to bring his cap through, you know, down and fill it with voyable years and stuff. But if he weren't um, the worst case scenario for them would be not only personnel wise, but also cap wise would be him going to another team.
0: Yeah, this time two years ago, it's funny. We we started the topic of uh, what is a yearly conversation now in the Tom Brady era. You know, how much longer can the Bucs afford to kick this can down the road? And just like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, realistically, as long as Tom Brady wants to play in Tampa, I think they can continue uh, to, to kind of kick this can down the road. And as far as the uncertainty of the offseason, here we are pretty much the same spot we were just a year ago. And it, it feels like... Feels like I'm more prepared for it this time. You, you talked about the drastic. Last year was difference. just so sudden. Well, last year it felt like we got a little bit of both of those experiences as far as the, uh, the feeling oh, yeah. of the offseason. You know what I'm saying? Because up until March of last year, we were fully convinced we were going to get 17 games of Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask, and we were prepared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we were like, all right here we go. This is going to be about as good as it gets. And then all of a sudden Brady comes back and it seemed like the off season just,
1: and just full the ahead. Switch, Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? 200 miles per hour, signing this guy, signing this guy, bringing in this guy, taking the rights to get this guy and bringing in Shaq Mason, bringing in Russell Gage, Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal, all of that started to come together and uh, it came together rather quickly. So with that being said, I am more prepared for this off season emotionally and from a journalistic standpoint than I was just a year ago, because I feel like we have a little bit of experience in both the situations that the Bucks could find themselves at the uh, at the end of this thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I think, like I said, it's just, everything last year was just so sudden. Um, It was like a few days before the the divisional game against the Rams. No, it was just before that, that you heard anything about Brady retiring. Like the expectation was always that he's coming back and then, and then he, he retired and you're like, okay, well, I guess, yeah. All right. So yeah, pretty much the whole month of February. And then, you know, the first half of March, you're like, all right. And then yeah, one move happens and you're like, Oh, all right, go time now. So, um, And that's what I'm saying about this offseason. Like, it's just – it's so crazy that, like, you know, it, their offseason could be completely different, completely different based on one guy's decision. Like, it could be so, so different. Anybody doing a battle plan out there, you basically got to do two because you got to do one with Brady and without Brady because with it's so different. Because if you if you have Don Brady on your team, despite if you, you know, if if fans don't think they got a shot or whatever, you give it a shot, right? Um, you know, you, if you have Brady on your team, you're going to give it a shot. So you're going to kick the can down the road a little bit more. So, um, but like if Brady's not back, is Levante, do you make an effort to bring back Levante David? Or do you just say, you know what, man, like, it's time for us to, to move on. You know, do you, do you cut a guy like Leonard Fournette if Brady's not back? Do you cut a Donovan Smith if Brady's not back? So, I mean, who knows, you know, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, one thing I will say that I'm actually optimistic about for next year is the offensive line. Uh, I know we talked about the offensive line struggling a lot. However, um, I'm a bit more optimistic about it next year with a a fully healthy Ryan Jensen. Um, like Tristan Worf is still really good. Jack Mason's still good. Um, and then obviously left guard, like I think Leverett was fine. Um, Luke Gedecky, like, yeah, he really struggled this year, but like, it's a second round pick still. So, like, there's talent there. Maybe he figures it out. Robert Hansey was serviceable at center. I think he could be serviceable at left, left guard. And then hopefully, Donovan Smith bounces back. So, there's definitely things that have to go right. But, like, I'm pretty confident that this offensive line will at least be a little bit better than it was, uh, you know, in, in 2022.
0: Yeah. And if if Tom Brady ends up retiring, if he ends up going elsewhere, I do think that with all the guys on offense. And, and by are, the
1: way, no matter what Brady does, that's the offensive line. Like, they're, yeah, they're yeah, you know, hey, so all of those not, guys they're are not going to contract. be much changes.
0: All those guys under contract, 100% going to be here starting next season. And we talked about with the potential Brady departure, you know, the guys that are still under contract to be in this offense. I know Mike Evans is going to be, what, 31 years old? 30, hmm. 31 years old. Like, he's think, yet to 31. not have a 1,000-yard receiver. But he can get it done for you, right? Chris Godwin really coming into his zone. I thought he was playing some of his best football to round out the regular season, just bouncing back from that injury Continuing to get better, he's going to be. He'll, 100%. He'll, he'll be
1: he'll be a year removed from mm-hmm. that injury now, so yeah.
0: he'll be a hundred percent, and I think he's going to look a little bit more worth the money. Russell Gage, Russell might, Gage, by the way, might be healthy. Yeah, yeah, per,
1: yeah. you know, just, just glad he's update. okay. Glad yeah. he's okay.
0: Just an update. Scary injury to watch happen. Um, kind of the same issue that had plagued him after the touchdown against the Falcons in Week 18. You know, he he hits the ground, hits the back of his head and immediately starts grabbing his back. And he's kind of rolling around. And it just it was not a good scene. Um, yeah. Took him an extra minute to cart him off last night. And honestly, the stadium was really quiet. Yeah. you know a couple of guys obviously seem shaken up the game was well decided at that point as well yeah yeah uh, very
1: so. very obviously you know with what just happened recently um you sort of pay close attention to this kind of stuff so glad to hear that gauge is okay and you know and everything's going to be okay but uh, definitely scary uh, a lot of people in the chat um yeah, I also – I would I would personally – I'd cut Leonard Fournette either way because mm-hmm. I think Rashad White's is better. But uh, I think if Brady were to return, I think he would want Fournette back. So I, I don't think they would get rid of Fournette if Brady were to return.
0: Yeah, and uh, one more thing that we'll talk about before we wrap this thing up. With Tom Brady potentially coming back, I know that the, the talk of the Buccaneers cap situation is obviously going to be a factor because – not only are you potentially kicking the can down the road with more void years, eventually more dead money you're going to have to eat, but you know the salary of everyone else, the Bucks have a lengthy list of free agents. but
1: Yeah, but like really but, there's like three that are like right, a priority. Right. You know? And most of
0: them are on the defensive side of the ball. We'll talk about that later on in the offseason. Yeah, there,
1: there's, there's going to be more changes on the defensive side of
0: the ball than the offensive side. But well, let's not forget, even at 45, going to be 46 next season if he decides to play, even after a down year, the Tom Brady effect is still a real thing. And we have seen it happen time and time again, where players take cheap deals to come play with Brady. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what this team looks like next year. You know, I don't think you're going to have a guy like Julio Jones. Uh, Rudolph is going to be gone. Cam Bray potentially played his last game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. K. Dotton really started to come into his own. There's a lot of changes that are going to be made. And um, the catalyst in all of it, for our beloved Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is whether Tom Brady decides to retire, move on to a different team, or return to his red and pewter teammates in 2023 for another shot at the Lombardi Trophy. But, ladies and gentlemen, with all of that being said, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast, our final post game recap podcast of the 2022 season. So that's going to put a cap on our regularly scheduled coverage uh, during the 2022 NFL season. And I got to tell you guys, not only was this eight, nine season just exhausting, but um, you know, obviously some personal things happening in both of our lives uh, took up some time this year. and, And that's not, you know, it's not a bad thing, obviously, but we did want to acknowledge it. And I think we should at least apologize to a certain degree. Um, you know, towards the end of the season, we we would plan podcasts and then for one reason or another, whether it was scheduling or just miscommunication or whatever it was, it was never anybody's fault. Uh, but sometimes things fell through and uh, I, I don't think we brought you guys the level of content that we have strived to do these past couple of years during the most important time of the season. And again, that's nobody's fault, but I just wanted to acknowledge it and, and let you guys know that we did officially make it. We are here at the end of the season. we reached the finish line and we uh, appreciate we, you we, all. Yeah, we, we really still really, really appreciate anyone who has ever decided uh, to click on a hype video or check out the podcast or hang out in the live stream. All the moderators, G Vegas, Willie Beeman, always holding it down with the $10 super chat. Uh, Emily Compa, Dark Angel, Andre Prusad, Goofy Khalid, a lot of regular uh, familiar names in the chat. Black Crow volume two. <laughs> I don't I don't know why volume two makes me laugh. Uh, Nestor Cervantes, sorry if I said that incorrectly, our buddy Matt Diaz, the great guitarist from Florida State. I mean, a lot of people that we have connected with and talked to over the course of the last three, four seasons and um, even the watch parties. You know, I know that those never went according to plan because we are officially oh and three in watch parties. But the future
1: the people, of that
0: is TBD. Yeah, it's right. TBD. We got a little bit of time to figure that out. But even the people that showed up to stuff like that, it yeah, really actually. does mean the world. And this little community that we have created, uh, this is our seventh year. 2023 will be the seventh year of the Cannon Fire podcast, which is actually kind of incredible. The getting old. Yeah, I know. We're getting old, man. Um, but it's been a lot of fun and I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Incredibly happy to have you guys on here with us and um excited for what the off season brings because uh it's gonna be a lot of changes one way or the other. Evan, any closing thoughts?
1: Yeah, like obviously, you know, appreciate everybody and um you know, just like you said, there's you know some personal things that that happen and um, can't can't really do anything about it. But you know we 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 try our best to you know to give you guys you know what w- what you want, which is you know the the best Bucks coverage possible. So I, I hope. Hope we were able to to achieve that for you guys. And uh, yeah, I mean we're, we're obviously not going away, but it's just you know, the, the shows will be instead of two or three times a week, maybe once a week, you know, there might be a week where there is no show because there's just not much to talk about. So um obviously if there's any breaking news, James showing up right at the last second. Um, of course, if if there if there's only you know, if there's if there's breaking news, we'll obviously be right there to cover it. So um yeah, I just want to thank all you guys for, for all the, the support and everything and uh, yeah
0: ladies and gentlemen with all that being said that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the cannon fire podcast subscribe to the channel for more great tampa bay buccaneers content if you have not already getting excited to uh, bring you some of the latest news of the offseason we'll do our best to keep you updated on all of that and more as it happens you can also check out the show on social media facebook instagram and twitter all of those are cannon fire podcast best place to go for updates on the show and Tampa Bay Buck News as it happens. Speaking of Tampa Bay News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at Evan NFL and check out his written work at bucksnation.com I don't know if you've got the uh, the stock report coming out this week because I mean it, it's hard to put stock in players who aren't going to have a game next week but um, <laughs> what have you got cooking for the end of the season
1: yeah so actually I have uh, I have two things out right now uh posted them today so one is ranking Tom Brady's potential destinations for 2023 I take a look and just rank them not based on likelihood but like based on like how I think like What's the best fit for him? Yeah, like, yeah, like what would be best? So uh, ranking that. And then also I have three burning questions off-season edition where I just take a look at three things. And I acknowledge even in the article, yes, I know there are a lot more than three questions, but limited it to three. So take a look at them on BucksNation.com. And I'll also probably have a little sneak peek for you guys. I'm planning on, I, I had to, around the mid-season mark, I did uh, rookie grades. So I'm planning on doing the complete, rookie grades now, uh, and that should be uh, hopefully the next few days.
0: Should be some good stuff. Remember to go check that out at uh, spnationsbucksnation.com Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter at reticus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S If you follow me, I will follow you back. It might not be as prompt as it usually is on Twitter because uh, the end of football season, especially one as disappointing as this, means I have to take my yearly Twitter hibernation because that app is going to drive me insane. Um, people might actually be brain damaged on there. And uh, it's always a perfect time to remind me when I see a tweet that says I would rather have Josh Freeman as our quarterback than Tom Brady. Um, that, that's my yearly reminder to go ahead and take some time off. So uh, hit me up over there. I will be back eventually, and uh, I'll be sure to follow you back. But ladies and gents, that is the show. And once again, that's a cap on the 2022 season of coverage for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are excited to bring you all the latest updates on what should be an eventful Buccaneers offseason one way or the other. I'm your host, Rip Matthews, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you so much for listening, and go Bucs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform.